Hi, and welcome to the Design Find Podcast, a space where women are interviewed and in conversation to discuss the highs, lows, and everything in between about being a woman in design. The Design Find has new episodes every Monday, so make sure you come back every week. You can find more on the Design Find Podcast Instagram. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the Design Find the Podcast. Today we have Kaylin, and she's going to be sharing with us her story in the design field. So welcome, Kaylin. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So to start off, can you please introduce yourself to your listeners? Who are you? What do you do? What is your passion? All of that. Sure thing. So I'm currently an interior designer. I am working in San Francisco at the moment. Um, Studio O plus A. I do workplace design. I um, started to do interior design in college um, because I just kind of had a feeling that this was the career for me. And it was a total feeling. And it was actually probably one of the best feelings I had (laughs) because that decision has led me to a pretty great career path. So to start off with, what do you do in interior design? What do you do at your job now? So right now I design for commercial workplace. I am mostly designing for tech firms in the Bay Area. Um, So my day-to-day is concepting, developing um, design iterations for custom mill work, space planning, uh, putting together pallets and furniture um, in order for the workplaces to function. They look a little different nowadays because post-pandemic, but for the most part, um, we're, we're still kind of doing the same thing that we were beforehand. So what do you think is unique about, you said a tech workplace or tech startup? Workplace compared to a regular corporate job or workplace in terms of the design. Mm -hmm. Tech is a little more fun than I think your average corporate workplace. We have um, clients that are startups. We have clients that are, you know, 50 to 100 years been around and they all tend to want to show their personality. So there's a lot of branding and a lot of wayfinding. There's a lot of designing to show their personality. Um, We always have interesting design um, iterations on the things that'll set that brand apart because they're trying to bring in employees. So there's always been this interesting um aspect to tech where they are bringing people in and so that could be a really large central hub or extremely cool amenities there's always so many amenities or um the way they bring people together for a town hall is this multifaceted room that can be you know an arena or it can be a food hall i think that's what sets it apart from just your average corporate Tech seems to be a little bit more out there and ready to take risks. 
So what is your favorite project you've done or and what is usually your aesthetic or palette that you do for a lot of your projects? My favorite project so far is probably the McDonald's Innovation Center outside Chicago. That project was a lot of fun because instead of it being about McDonald's, the food brand, the fast food brand, it was about the innovation behind the machines and the processes that they develop in order to make the food. So we used raw materials like OSB. We used basic primary colors and the graphics were derived from their patents because McDonald's has a ton of patents that they are able to coop costs from um, across the whole fast food industry. I, I wouldn't say that may, that one represents my style necessarily. I don't really know if I have a style. I'm very adaptable to the type of design that each client wants. And all my projects look a little different. High-end hospitality look to that one where it's very raw and primary, all the way to just kind of this intermediate, fun, um, tech vibe that you would get in San Francisco. So I think, honestly, that's probably what makes a good designer is to just not really have a style, you know? And mm -hmm. when I pull together palettes, uh, a good palette, in my opinion, could just be whatever really represents the brand really well. What would you say is your personal like aesthetic though, if you were to design a house or a bedroom or an office for yourself? If I had to say, um, probably simple and earthy would be my aesthetic. It's probably what I have in my room now. Warm woods, um, layered warm carpets, lots of plants. Um, I'm assuming that's what my house will look like when I, you know, finally move into a home and not an apartment like I am now. But um, it would probably just be a collection of the things that are, you know, dear to me with some warm, um, earthy vibes. So going back, when did you truly know that you want to be an interior designer? And how did you take that route in university? Well, <clears throat> my route was a little bit different. I didn't get into my school of choice. Um, and so I did a, a year in a sister school before transferring into the main college that I wanted to go to. Um, so I ended up going to UT my sophomore year and I didn't have a major declared. And so I took a look at the catalog and I saw that interior design was under the School of Architecture and I knew nothing about architecture. Um, therefore, I really felt like I didn't know anything about interior design. <clears throat> so I decided I would apply for um, the School of Architecture and see if I could get a spot. Um, they were pretty strict and I ended up getting in one of two spots that of people that transferred in. So I felt like it was definitely meant to be but mm -hmm. I started that never having really drawn before not knowing how to draw in 3d knowing nothing about architecture so it was really a 
steep learning curve, but it was probably the most fun I've ever had. So what types of things did you do in university that you think really transferred into what you're doing now in your job? The conceptual thought that we put into projects right now is the biggest takeaway from school because in school it was really hard for them to teach us how to make things real and they definitely tried but you really can only learn that in the field so this this idea of you know how can I take this one idea and grow it to be this whole concept for a space and how can I make that work I think school really prepared me well for that because we were always taking like one sculpture and creating a narrative then to create a space and then to make that work and a lot of what we do is creating a concept that represents the brand <clears throat> and then taking that through space plan and then taking that through design development and developing a palette and then generating all the different furniture types that we're going to need and if I didn't have that rigorous training in school to understand concept and to develop it I don't I don't know if I would have been as successful so I definitely think that was the biggest takeaway from school and do you think throughout school did if you did any internships or you're part of any clubs or societies that helped you or you think it was mostly after school that you were able to really um dive deep into the world um I was actually a part of what we called Ampersand, um, and that was an organization that combined ASID and IIDA organizations um, for students. So we, you, we were in connection with the American Society of Interior Designers and the International Interior Designers Association. Um, I was um, president my last year and treasurer the year before that. And what we did was connect with professionals in the field. They'd come in and talk to us or they'd invite us to events. So I really got plugged in into the industry like as soon as I started school. I was going to events, going to conferences, um, learning about the industry and the world. And so it all it, it definitely all started in school and it was it was great because I had a professor that was making sure that we were involved. And I think that mentality carried on over to now even, and I'm still involved with those organizations. So what do you think is the most challenging thing about being an interior designer and also the best thing? Most challenging? We as interior designers are always practicing our skills we're always being challenged there's so many design issues to solve it can be overwhelming but I think the beautiful thing about interior designers is that their skills are so multi-layered the ability to design something beautiful and functional and up to code is just kind of a great skill in itself and and it, it is hard because you're always learning and you're never going to be perfect and you're, you're always, you're always, you know, inundated with a ton of tasks, but that isn't, you know, so bad. It's just, a, it can make it a pretty hard job. Um, 
<clears throat> and uh, let's see, one thing that I love about interior design. Yeah. It's always changing. Um, and that kind of goes hand in hand with that prior statement. It's especially in workplace, it's gonna keep challenging you because it's it's never gonna be the same old thing. It's never year to year. It's never gonna be, oh, we're doing what we did a few years ago. We're always innovating and figuring out what people need now and um, designing for that. So you're, you're never really bored and that's pretty great. So what is something that you would give like advice to to future interior designers or someone who wants to get into this space? I think designers need a really good work-life balance. It can be really easy to jump in, especially in school, and work 60, 70-hour weeks. There's just so much to be done. Um, so the advice I'd give for someone who's just entering into this space would be to make sure to give yourself time to grow and develop, um, but give yourself space away from interior design because burnout happens so easily with designers. It is a fun job, but it's hard. There's just There's just no way around all the learning curves that young designers will go through. So I I really like to emphasize that work-life balance, something I didn't find till COVID. And I think most of us as well, we won't work more than 40 hours a week and maybe 45 on a week when we have just a lot of deadlines, but we really are trying to keep ourselves healthy because it's so easy to just work around the clock and and work ourselves into the ground. and. And we need, you know, future designers to be able to last long and take their careers all the way to the end. So that would be the best piece of advice I could give. So speaking of COVID, how do you think that changed the workplace and how do you design for the future um, since COVID has happened? So COVID altered the workplace in a way that we're still not quite sure the extents of. There's definitely been a pullback from creating beautiful workplaces. Employers seem to want to bring people back into the office, but some employees don't want to. And so if they can't get employees back into the office, then they don't have a need for a workplace but a good workplace can bring people back. And I think a lot of people are starving to be together again. So we're still in this kind of in-between phase right now where people are trying to figure out what the heck they want. I don't know if we're going to be able to figure that out in the next couple of years. I think it's gonna be a kind of a slow burn, but I think of, of all the different of all the different um, facets of design, I think workplace is going to be the biggest changing one. So like right now, we're not designing them like we used to. They're not as big. There's a lot of hoteling and a lot less amenity. 
So I think in the next few years are going to be interesting. How do you think people can design their space, like their at-home space or their office space, um, to be most productive and best work environment possible? Well, I think they'd have to be fortunate enough to have an extra room in their house to act as their office. Um, a lot of people, especially you know, in big cities, just don't have that space. Like myself, my office is in my bedroom. Um, and it's really not the best scenario. And I knew it'd be temporary, but I think homes would have to be designed in a way where there is that separate office space that really isolates the person from their home because the home is pretty distracting. Um, and I, I think people have come to realize that and just our home setups are not designed for that. So if at all possible, a separate room with um, a window, um, acoustically sound so you're not hearing everything outside um, and in your house would be ideal but I know that not everybody has that luxury mm -hmm. so what is something you want to see more of in the interior design field I would like to see us embrace technology more I think we've done that but I think we're in this weird new age of AI and technology with chat GPT and um, generating images and um, I know that some interior designers have talked about the fear that they have that their job won't be um, <clears throat> there anymore when AI starts to do more but I see it more as a a beneficial aspect of development. And I think we can use AI and we can use ChatGBT to help us make our jobs faster. I think a lot of the issue that interior designs run into is this menial work that takes a long time and it's tedious and you're drawing details and you're dimensioning out, um, you know, floor plans. And if we could use a technology that understands code better than us because a lot of times we have to reference it over and over again and implement it into spaces make our jobs easier I think we should embrace it um, I think right now maybe it's just not really geared towards using it for interior design so that may be something that has to change in order for it to be the most useful tool and speaking of technology, what technology do you recommend to people wanting to get into the interior design field? And there's obviously a lot of softwares out there. Which one do you recommend? Mm -hmm. um, I found in the commercial space that Revit is the software to use. But I know that depending on the type of design, <clears throat> different companies use um, different programs. Revit is just a very smart information modeling software. And it's more complex, but it really helps to build out a set of contract documents in the end. And that's what we use to build from. That's what we give to the contractors. Um, beyond that, 
I think everybody needs to learn some form of rendering software. Um, for most of us right now, it's Enscape. So a lot of people are using Enscape to with Revit to develop renders. Um, and then beyond that, you have to put the presentations together. So you have to have InDesign, um, Photoshop skills, Illustrator skills, so that you can present your ideas to the client that come out of Revit. So if there are any of them that must be learned, it would be those. And did you learn these by yourself or in school or when you were doing your job? I started learning InDesign and Photoshop and Revit in school, but once you put them into constant use, um, when you start working, I think that's when you really start to learn uh, how to how to use them. Because you could say that you like understand Revit when you're in school, but until you're on a project and you're you're linking in consultant models and you're collaborating live with other people on the model, um, you won't really know how to use it. So it's good to touch them in school and to to know you know kind of the basics, but you're really going to learn them on the job, and you're just going to have to make sure you are getting FaceTime with them to really learn them and master them. And what do you think is the most underrated or like not talked about part about being an interior designer that you really, really appreciate? Underrated part. Well, I think what maybe people coming out of school don't realize is how strong our industry is socially how connected we all are, designers across firms, our reps, our product reps, sales. <clears throat> we have, I mean, some of my best friends are in this industry and it's only because I've worked with them to, you know, figure out furniture um, with the furniture dealers or I see them at events all the time, but we have somehow managed to create a very tight, social circle and maybe it's kind of like work hard play hard but it feels like we play hard and we celebrate design and we get together and we celebrate each other and I think that it's just not really talked about you know in school is like kind of the coolest thing about interior design is this connection between people because in the end we are designing for each other, we're designing for people and somehow we are really able to connect with each other in the industry, probably because of that. I'd say that's probably the biggest one. That's a really good way of putting it. And how do you think, what do you think the best way is to balance workplace friendships and also real friendships and how to navigate between both of those? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one because it's kind of like being in the trenches with your fellow designers. So you become really good friends with the people you work with and designers are kind of kooky and they're creative and they're fun to be around. And so it's really easy to, to make friends with everyone you work with. I mean, I don't know. I just kind of embrace it at this point, knowing that I'm probably going to meet some of my best friends in the workplace um, 
And I have a ton of friends outside of design, but it's funny because they don't quite understand, right? Like somebody, you know, in the trenches with you that understands design and understands the day-to-day, they're going to get you. And I feel that way about my interior design friends. They're, they understand how hard it is. You know, we're not just decorators or we're not just picking out finishes and we're not just specifying furniture. We are, we are trying to figure out what the future of this world looks like so that we can design for it. And it's a tough job. So the, the friendships that I've made in this industry are some big, um, long lasting ones. And lastly, what do you want to be known for? What do you want your situation to be like in five years within the industry? Well, if I had to choose, uh, it would be great to be known for embracing technology. Maybe it's because I'm in Silicon Valley and I'm surrounded by it all the time and a lot of tech people, but I think it'd be really cool to figure out how to tap into technology and use it in a way that'll benefit the industry just like material bank was developed a few years ago and then took off and is a great um, asset for us to use to order materials um, I feel like there's still other things that can be developed for interior designers that'll make our jobs much easier so I've always kind of thought about you know what could I do or create to help the industry and it it'll take probably more than one person to really figure that out but um anything that can make our jobs easier because they're hard and and things take a long time and um we're burnt out so it would be great to figure out how to make it how to make our jobs more manageable using Mm -hmm. technology sure well thank you so much for coming on can you let the listeners know when to find you? Um, sure. I am, <clears throat> I guess I'm on Instagram. Um, I post a little bit about design and the things that are happening in San Francisco. Um, but Kaylin Parker or K Parker 20, um, you can find me, um, on LinkedIn as well. Um, um, I'll be in San Francisco and Silicon Valley for a while and I'm hoping to figure out what the future of workplace looks like from here. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate having me, Nicole. Hey, I hope you loved this episode. If you did, rate and review on Apple Podcast and Spotify or send it to people who you would think would be interested in listening in. You can learn more about the guests in the show notes or on the Design Find Instagram. The Design Find podcast is under the Entrepreneurs Network.